Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. Hallelujah. So tonight I have a message for you that I believe the Lord gave me uh, this morning. You know, this morning I was just, I just was feeling something in my heart and I couldn't put my finger on it. So I spent uh, just some time away with the Lord to be still and know that He is God and to hear what the Lord had to say and what He wanted me to deliver. So I just felt, and I feel tonight like I'm on an assignment from the Lord. Amen. I glory to God. And I want to also connect the dots because we've heard a lot in these last couple of days. We've heard a lot about faith. We've heard a lot about entering into the rest and stopping from striving and trying and works. Would you agree? But we also heard a lot about fighting the good fight of faith. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that, that kind of seems like a contradiction. What do I do? Do I rest or do I fight? Make up your mind. So I just want to connect the dot tonight and just show you what is the balance between entering into the rest and what it really means and fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. Now we find that if you have your Bible, you can look in Hebrew chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. Can somebody stop the clock, please? You know, I always have, I believe, I'm starting to set my faith for, to be translated. So I don't have to go and do all the, so you know what I mean? I'm like, well, they, it's getting so complicated to travel these days, to go here and there. I say, Lord, it's about time that I get translated. You know, Lord, I'm believing for that. Why not? Philip did it. So in Hebrew chapter four, but I'm saying that because I feel I'm being translated into time. It's going a little too fast here. Hebrew chapter four, He said, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also seized from his work as God did from his. And so we find out here that the author of the book of Hebrews says that there is that you and I in Christ have to enter into the rest. Why do we enter the rest? And we've heard it all, all over. It's because Jesus has already obtained the victory. I mean, you know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who always, not just sometime, always gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. That's the reason why, you know, in 1 Peter 2, 24, Peter What did he say? By the stripes of Jesus, you past tense, you were healed. Because that healing, that victory is something that is already done. So we enter the rest knowing I already 
have the victory. It's already done. It's already given. The healing, it's not a matter of, is God going to heal me? But it's understanding and knowing that I can be in that place of rest because I know that healing is already mine. Hallelujah. But you notice that he also say, for those who enter into the rest, cease from their works. We have to cease from our own works. You notice he doesn't say cease from works. He says cease from his work. What is he talking about? He's talking about us stopping to try to do it our own way. To stop to try to make it on our own. To stop to try to get healing in the, in the, in the way we think it is. That's the reason why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. Because he told us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, that in Jesus Christ, he already gave us the victory. But in 2 Corinthians 2, 14, he says again, thanks be to God. It's like, thank you, Jesus, who always leads us to that triumph. So what does it mean when the author of Hebrews says, we have now to enter into the rest and cease from our own works? It means you've got to realize you already have the victory and you have to stop trying to do it your own way. And you've got to start looking to the Holy Spirit, the one that have been sent by Jesus from the Father to lead us into that victory. You would think that would be evident, but it's not. Glory to God. So that is what it means to enter the rest. But because we enter into the rest doesn't mean that we stay passive without doing anything. And that's why people, they get confused. They don't understand. They think all of a sudden, I enter into the rest. Therefore, I'm just going to sit and wait for God to do it all. Not so. Because you remember that, P, that uh, Paul in 1 Timothy, I think it's 2.17. He says, fight my son. Fight the good fight of faith. Well, we know it's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because it has already been won by Jesus Christ. But you see, like Paul says, you've got to fight. We are commanded in 1 Timothy 6, 12 to fight a good fight. But did you notice? It said it's a good fight of faith. And how does faith come? By hearing. And hearing? By the rhema word of God. You know, when you and I, we stop trying to do it on our own and get the victory on our own and get the healing on our own and we start looking unto Jesus and looking unto the Holy Spirit and we said, okay, now I know the victory is already given. But now, Holy Spirit, I want to hear from you. How do I get there? In another word, fight the good fight of faith 
Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that the Holy Spirit will give you in another word. It is the Holy Spirit that is going to give you the war strategy. He's the one that's going to give you the strategy for the fight of faith. Like he said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. And eternal life is more than just salvation. It's healing, deliverance, protection, everything. And so here it says we've got to enter into the rest, cease from our own way of doing things, trying to do it on our own, and become like little children, turning to God, the Holy Spirit, by saying, Spirit, you are the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So I'm leaning upon you to, get, to show me how to go to that victory. I know it's mine because you and I, we do not fight that fight of faith to try to obtain victory. We fight the fight of faith from a place of victory. Fighting the good, let me get some water. Hallelujah. You know, I love it because this new covenant in Jesus, it's a relationship. And if you haven't heard or learned anything else, please know and understand that the way that you and I have to live this life and walk in healing and walk in health and walk in the ways of God, it all has to flow from a relationship, a living relationship with a God that speaks to you today. And you know, the Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And how do you hear that voice? Not only is he gonna guide you with his peace, and I talked about it in my workshop about how Peace is like a, a signal to show you if you are in the will of God, if you are on the right path, if you are, you know, doing what God is telling you to do or go what God is telling you to go. Amen. And we can hear his voice because out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And he was speaking of the spirit which he was about to send. When you've got spontaneous thoughts coming into your heart and you're like, is it God? Well, you probably wouldn't have thought that by yourself. So I would say, yes, it's probably the Holy Spirit. I have to say, Barry, if you're watching, I'm going to try to smile more. Inside joke. I get so intense sometimes, you know. Oh, hallelujah. And the mistake, I love that. It's a life where we abide in Christ and Christ abide in us. But I love that what it says, if my words abide in you. And what word is he talking about? The rhema word. If my rhema, my rhema word, my voice, my direction, my instruction, my war strategy, whatever I'm speaking to you abides in you, the rest is done. So we enter the rest knowing the fight is already won. And I turn to the Holy Spirit to give me the strategy to fight the good 
fight of faith. But did you notice something? It, if it is a fight, it means it requires courage. If we are, if it is a fight of faith, any fight requires courage. Don't look at me, smile. Don't look at me so innocent and holy. It is. If you go in a war and we are in a spiritual war, there, we need courage. And as I was meditating this morning and talking to the Lord and asking the Lord about tonight, I, I, he gave me a word. He said, the body of Christ has become weak, weak, timid, and passive. And you know, as I'm meditating and I look in my Bible and I see even in the Old Testament, men of God that were called to fight their good fight of faith, a fight, a battle that had already been won. I mean, God said, he said, I give you the land of Canaan. And by the way, I've already given you the victory. But you notice they had to go and fight. It was not just handed on a plateau without having to do anything. They had to go and fight. And to fight, it requires, I would call it spiritual courage. And I look at the men of God. I mean, I love it. I look at a man like Caleb. I mean, the guy is 85, right? After having put up with a bunch of unbelievers in the desert, he's 85 and he goes to Joshua. He said, please give me that mountain. And that was the mountain with all the big, big giants, Anakim. He said, give me that mountain for I am well able. I'm 85, but I'm going to take it. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here is an 85-year-old man. He was not a wimp. He's like, give me the mountain. Those giants is just papa, nothing. Like I said this afternoon. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the, the panel. You see, Jesus said, I cast the devil with a finger. Not the hand, not the arm, the finger. See, devil? And here is Caleb, an 85-year-old man who had that courage because he had faith. He understood, God, you gave us a promise. Your word is true. So he's like, okay, I don't care what all those all your other youngsters are going to do, but give me the mountain. I know there is the biggest giant of the land, but I want that. It was Abron. Or you look at David. Here is David, when he faced, when all of Israel, they were like shaking in their boots. I don't know if they were wearing boots, but it sounds good. <laughs> when all of them, they were like, David, a youngster, but who knew God. How great is our God. He knew how great is his God. And when he said, what is that uncircumcised Philistine? And you know, when he went to, the, to the, the giant, he didn't go walking and thinking, okay, I'm gonna check you out. He went running. He confronted the giant running. There was a courage in him that was not afraid of the battle, not afraid of what the enemy was doing. 
And here is David also. I love it. And I believe it is. Where is it at? In 2 Samuel 23, it talks about the 737 mighty men of David. I mean, if you read those guys, you're like, no, let's just go and read a few of them. Here is a guy, Joel, Josheb, Bashebeth, the Tachmonite. He killed 800 at one time. Hello. Here is another one in verse, in verse nine. Eleazar, the son of Dodo. And that guy wasn't go Dodo. Dodo means sleeping in French. He said, when they all gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated, they were, in other words, they were chicken. He arose and attacked the Philistine until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. In other words, he was fighting and he was fighting so much that his hand was attached to the sword. He got stuck. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. So he arose and attacked. <clears throat> he arose and attacked the Philistine until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword and the Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. Isn't none that lovely. First you are chicken retreating and then you wait for that one guy to win the battle on his own. And then you come and say, oh, I would like this, I would like that, I would like that. Here is another one. Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hererite. The Philistine had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground food of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistine. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistine. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Here is another one, Benaiah. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab. He also had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. And there is on and on and on so many more. Here's another one. He went attacking an Egyptian with a big spear, he went to the spear from his hand and then he, he killed him with it. And that's just a few of all those mighty men of David. Here is a guy, he was not just satisfied to kill a lion. All of us were said, well, I'm just gonna spear the lion. Praise God, he's in the pit, right? He went and jumped in the pit with the lion. I'm like, that's kind of, that shows you the kind of people they were. They had such a courage, a fearlessness about them that enabled them to take possession of what God had already given them. And I believe that the, that is the kind of courage that God is looking for in his people today. What would that look like for you and I when you are attacked? 
James talks about it in James chapter one. He said, when you are being attacked with trials of all sorts, count it all joy, my brethren. For through that, the testing of your faith pretty much will produce glory and a testimony. I remember, you know, when I was, when the Holy Spirit woke me up one in the morning to show me ahead of time what was going on in my body. And I spent time praying in the spirit and then he gave me a word. But at that moment when he gave me a word, it all of a sudden I had that sense. Thank you God, I'm not a victim. I can be a victor and this can become my greatest victory and my greatest testimony. You see, a man that understands the war and the fight, um, a person that understands that he has already the victory can look at the battle, look at the attack and said, that's all you've got, devil? (laughs) And look at it, telling himself out loud, That can become the greatest moment of my life. It's all about, it's like those guys, I I can see it, how they saw, how David saw the battle, how those men approached and saw the battle. They never saw it as, oh my gosh, we're going to have to fight. They looked at it, man, an opportunity. And they ran to it. They saw it. They approached it with a victorious, with such courage and a victorious the mentality of a victor. So that's the first thing, to be of courage and fight the good fight of faith. You're gonna have to look at the fight and said, that's all you've got devil? And look at it and said, I'm no victim. I'm a woman of courage. I'm a man of courage. And that trial, that attack, it's going to turn into my greatest victory, into the greatest glory and the greatest testimony. Hallelujah. We are in a spiritual war. It is true. That's why, did you notice? Help me, Lord. That's the reason why Paul, or Matthew, excuse me, or Jesus through Matthew, in Matthew eleven twelve, 12, he said, the kingdom of God suffers violence, but it's the violent that will take it by force. Right there alone shows you that there is a battle. There is a war. But you see, when people hear that, you know what they think? The violent take it by force. And all of a sudden, they are trying to put the pressure, the force towards God. If I pray, 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 God's going to heal me. If I fast, fast, fast until we can, you know, I'm skin and bone, then God's going to have, you know, mercy and look at me and say, ooh, look at her, I've got to heal him. The force, the violence, it's never towards God. Remember, the victory is already given. The battle is already won as far as God is concerned. But the violence and the pressure and the force has to be against the enemy, against the the symptoms, against the sickness. 
It is the violent that take it by force. But you see, there is a problem, and that's where I want to get to. Is all, the problem oftentimes is in the body of Christ. People have become very weak, very passive, and very timid. And let me add a little thing. Wearing that mask is a strategy of the devil to break your will and to break your inner strength. Do you know in the Muslim nation, that's what they put on their women to break their will and submit them, bring them into submission. I know some of you are not gonna like me for that, but I don't care. There is a strategy of the Antichrist on the earth to render people passive, timid, and weak on the inside, to remove that fighting spirit, that courage, that standing on the inside attitude. And let me say something. It might shock some of you. But your personality has a lot to do whether or not you will be able to take what belongs to you in the spirit. Because oftentimes what happens is your attitude in the natural transfers into the spirit. So if you are a person that has the tendency to be very passive and very timid and very submitted, you'll have a very hard time in the spirit to fight the good fight of faith and take your healing by force, the violent take it by force. And I've seen that oftentimes, that people that tend to be very timid have a hard time to stand up against the devil. And I saw that God has been teaching me this for quite a few years now. And I know it sounds something a little crazy to say that being timid in the natural would hinder you to get a hold of things in the spirit, but it is true. I remember I was doing in 2019, July 2019, I was doing a Catholic charismatic conference. And they, I saw there were two twins, identical twins, same DNA identical twins. And I, when I met them, I saw one of them in the wheelchair and the other running around happy and everything. And they brought the one in the wheelchair, Mathilde, they brought her to me saying, would you please pray for her? And so, you know, like any good doctor would do, you ask questions, you try to probe to find out what the situation. And I found out that a year before, Exactly a year before in that same conference, both of the twins, identical twins, both had Lyme disease, stuck in a wheelchair. And I'd like to show you the piece, the, that picture of Mathilde and Clemence. Maestro, picture number one. Oh, here it is. Here are those two twins, identical twins. Now why and how those two got Lyme disease? It's beside me. Because I heard that Lyme disease is being bit by a, what, a chick? How would those two twins be both bit by a chick 
and at the same time have Lyme disease. But anyway, but when I met them a year later, they explained to me that both had Lyme disease and the year before they both got prayed for by the same person, a friend of mine. One got healed, the other didn't get healed. And you know, you look at, you take a step back, you look at it and you think, well, did God play favorites? Why did he heal one and not the other? And so as I'm talking to those twins and asking, you know, question and looking into it, I, I ask the Lord, I'm, I'm, every time I minister, I try to talk to the Lord and ask him. And he said, observe them, look at them closely. So I paid attention and I looked. And I noticed that Clemence, who had got out of the wheelchair, could I have the second picture? Clemence, who got out of the wheelchair, she was running all, all around, very energetic, kind of bossy-like, you know, telling you what to do and what to do it. You know what I mean? Kind of take charge kind of girl. But I noticed that Mathilde was very shy. And I'm like, Lord, that could not be. He said, yeah. He said, Clemence, when they were both got prayed, the same prayer by the same person for the same problem, Clemence, she just got a hold of it. She stood up on the inside and then stood up on the outside. But Mathilde kind of was waiting kind of for things to happen for her and didn't do anything. And so that showed me that can change. And so I started really to start talking to Mathilde to the point of, you know, making her angry, asking a question, provoking her, telling her, do you want to get, and people were looking around thinking, that lady, she's mean. I didn't care. I wanted to get the job done. And so I told Matilda, I said, aren't you sick and tired of being in a wheelchair and people pushing you around, carrying you, feeding you? I said, do you want to get married one day? She's like, yeah. And I said, well, would you want to walk in a wheelchair to, to your husband or would you like to walk by your, your daddy? She looked at me, her eyes went. And then all of a sudden I had a word of knowledge. The Lord told me, he said, she thinks that God played favorites. She thinks that God healed her sister and didn't want to heal her. So right there, I gave her that word. I said, no, 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 Madil, that's not true. God didn't play favorite. You know why you didn't get healed? Because you were waiting passive and too timid. You were, she was so timid. She could hardly talk like this. Long story short, I started to make her stand up on the inside, get angry at the sickness, refusing to be like this one more day and to go and have that righteous anger and to take her healing by force. Not again, the pressure is never with God. God has already done it, he's sitting at the throne. But it's the enemy that is gonna do everything he can to hold it back from you. And sometimes it takes you and I to stand up on the inside and put pressure back on the devil. And so I took that little girl and after talking with her, you know, they were packing the tent and everything. So I had all the time and I must have spent a good hour with her. Finally, I got her up, her father on one side, me on the other. And then I started to 
force her to walk. I said, we're going to walk. And at the beginning, I had to take my, my foot and kick her, her leg. <laughs> and I'd go, cut, cut, and push her. And I'd go behind it, pop. <laughs> and we did that for, golly, a good 20, 25 minutes. And we went around. We must have walked, I don't know, two miles. But finally, she got to the point where she had enough strength to hold herself. And then after a little while, she started to move her leg by herself. Long story short, after doing that walking for a while, I told, spoke to the parents. I said, don't make it easy on her to get back to that wheelchair. I said, stay, keep it away. And I said, you see how I was with her? Because you know, here is a mistake. When people get sick, we can so easily accommodate them, pamper them. What can I get for you? Don't do anything, stay here. What do you need? I mean, I'm, yeah, we have compassion, but sometimes we think it's compassion when it's really hindering people to get a hold of their healing. And I told the parents, I said, don't put her back in there. And I said, you see how I was kind with her? I said, you're gonna have to help her. Long story short, a, a couple of weeks later, here is video number one of Mathilde. She's so shy. Can you tell how shy she is? <laughs> so here's little Mathilde a, a couple of weeks later. And you know, I talked to the parents. I said, you're going to have to keep on helping her. And here is Mathilde. Allez Mathilde, allez Allez Mathilde, pense à la récompense Oh, oh la glace Tiens Mathilde, la glace, tiens Merci Here is a wonderful thing So many times, you know, I always hear Andrew saying I was an introvert, I couldn't look at people in the eyes, and look at him now. You could never tell why, because those personality tra traits that can hinder you in the spirit can be changed and should be changed. And that little Mathilde, not only did she overcome that, that shyness and that fear and timidity, but then a few months later, she was the lead role in a little theater play. And you can look at her, the change, even in her personality, from being, now it's like. And so if it is a hindrance that you have, that you find yourself bound with that fear, with that spirit of timidity, with that China that hinders you from taking your kingdom by force, that can be changed. You know, here is the thing I remember. I just found out really, 
recently. I'm kind of like fearless now. I am so fearless. I mean, I can go anywhere, do anything. I don't care. But it wasn't always that way. But you know something that helped me? I found that, that I come from a family line of people like my dad was at the age of 14, he was carrying guns on his back under the nose of the German from the coast into the forest where the militia was hiding. Then at 16, he went to England to be trained. And then he was part of the great operation in Normandy at, uh, at, at 18. And he was part of the first French uh, a regiment that went for the liberation of Paris with the American. So I'm like, praise God, I've got some gumps on the inside coming from my dad. But you know, I remember one time, my grandfather actually was hiding a radio in his basement and at night he would go and get messages to, de to deliver to the militia. If they found him, he would have been But you know, I remember one time, I was so, I mean, like I said, I'm not fearless because I realized that fear should never be part of our nature as children of God because God is not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I, there was a time, and I even say it sometimes, where I would be afraid of looking, you know, a long time ago, looking at people in the eyes. You know, if I was with friends, I was okay. You put me in front of strangers, in front of a group, I'd be frozen. I mean, I remember changing street when I saw somebody that I had met that I had to say hello to. I was like, no, I can, and, and, and look at now. I'm acting like a clown in front of thousands of people. <laughs> But there was also a time, you see, you do not negotiate with fear. You cannot negotiate if you think, I'm just gonna leave it alone. You know, when the devil attacks you with sickness or with anything, you cannot negotiate with this thinking, well, I'm just gonna leave it alone. If I don't bother him, he won't bother me. Oh yeah? I mean, you've heard Andrew said, he's gonna make you pay more than you're willing to pay. He's gonna take you further than you wanna go. He's gonna take you, sink you, and keep your head under the water, yeah. if you let him. But uh, there was a time I was afraid of heights. I would go on top of a ladder, and my legs would shake. And then, you know, when I had to do mission training, we had to go through boot camp. Go on top of poles, 35 feet high, jump, grab a trapeze, walk on wires, and you know stuff they do in the army. And I was petrified, I'm like, I can't do that. But I said, if I don't confront it, because fear, you cannot avoid it, you have to confront it head on. You know, I like Joyce Meyer said, do it afraid. And you know, when I did that, you know now, now if somebody needs to go on the roof to clean and get rid of the leaves, yours truly. <laughs> because I realized that if something makes you afraid, You've got to confront it head on. All of this to say that when you know that something is the will of God and belongs to you. I love the testimony of Buddy Boop. How he was so tenacious, fearless. He didn't care what people thought. What, I mean, he just went after it. I mean, he took his kingdom 
and he fought it with, with that fear. I have so much more I'd like to say. What did you just say? Don't tempt me now. You know, I look at my life, every healing testimony, like if you listen to all of the testimony, you know what the denominator, common denominator, is they found out what belonged to them. And they didn't care what the symptoms had to say, what they saw, what they felt. They pushed against it and they took their healing by force. Because you see, and that's not works. That's a response. You know what belongs to you. Therefore, you're not going to let the devil take it from you or steal it from you. Listen to this. I'm going to read you this testimony that I got just a, a week or so ago. It's from a 65-year-old lady. Her name is Roberta. If you're watching Roberta, hello. <laughs> she said in February of 2019, she said this testimony is long overdue. February of 2019, I experienced severe and sudden back pain. I store 2,000 pounds of frozen raw dog food. I get them in two deliveries and I loaded the first 1,000 pounds into the freezer. The next day, my neighbor gave me slabs of slate for a walkway. She's 65, widow, living by herself. I loaded them into my car and I was pulling them through our yard. When I got back to my house, I started to feel back pain. And when I lifted my leg, my left leg, there was a sharp pain. I couldn't lift my left leg then a few inches. I would walk and suddenly was forced to my knees, screaming in pain, no warning. The screaming was involuntary and I was getting another 1,000 pound delivery in three days. I'm a widow and I live alone and this wasn't good. After the first day of experiencing this, walking, screaming in pain, forced to my knees, I decided instead of screaming in pain, I would say, praise God I'm healed. The devil was putting horrible thoughts in my head. You're alone. You can't even go to the market without looking like a fool, screaming on your knees. There's no one to help. And you have to load the freezer again in three days. Alone, screaming, ha, 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 <laughs> I discovered a YouTube video of Audrey Mack teaching at Karis on healing. She's so funny. <laughs> So I watched that over and over. And then I recalled how Andrew Womack had back pain and was laying in his driveway. Also the time that the rock rolled over him and he was healed. So his testimony and the teaching kept me going. So for three days, I played all of that over and over and over. But the symptoms of severe pain were still there. I could barely lift my left leg. Satan kept telling me I was never, never going to heal. It's a ruptured disc and you're going to injure yourself even more, loading up the second delivery into the freezers. You're never going to heal and you're going to make yourself even worse. On the delivery day, I took my iPad to the garage and on that cold 
February morning, I played Audrey Max teaching on healing over and over. I laughed when she had back pain, but instead on going scuba diving. I rejoiced when her appendix was healed and she went on the mission trip. I could barely lift my leg, let alone move 40 and 50 pound cases. But the testimony I heard kept me going. If God is not a respecter of person, then I can receive healing too. Healing is mine and I have it now. I'm not moved by what I feel, but by the word of God. I was able to put all the frozen food away and I went into the house. Satan said, you really, really damage your spine now. You'll never heal. You will need surgery. And every time he threw me to my knees, I yelled, praise God, I am healed. Well, the next day when I woke up, I was completely healed. No pain at all, and it never came back. I give God all the glory and praise Jesus for blazing the path for me. In this time and age, a widow woman living alone can take her iPad and learn from some of great teachers anytime, any day and all night, and she can be filled with the word, amazing time we live in etc etc a 65 year old widow who got a hold of the word and decided that she was not going to be intimidated by the devil by the sickness by the pain pain but she had that inner courage to press through without any fear and there is so much more but tonight if you here tonight and i believe that was my assignment if you here tonight and you see yourself being the type of person hindered by fear, by shyness, by timidity, being intimidated. If that's you, I'd like to see your hand. Yes, I see those hands. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to ask you to stand up if you can. And you know, Paul said, God is not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. It is a spirit and you don't have to accept it. You can be free from it because God needs you to be of great courage, not to be intimidated by the attack, but to attack the attack head on and look at it and say, devil, that's all you got. So Father God, just put your hand on your heart. But here is something, thank you, honey. But here is something. We're gonna pray tonight to be free from that spirit of fear and timidity because that fear has been plaguing this nation. That's the whole plan of COVID. That's the whole plan of what the enemies try to do, to put the people of God in fear. And if you're in fear, you can walk in faith. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I say, fear be broken over their lives. I command that spirit of fear to be broken over their heart, over their lives right now. Shyness, go. Timidity, go. Fear, go. I pray right now that courage, just like the disciple pray, that they would have courage and boldness. I pray, Father, for great boldness, 
great courage to come upon them, Father, in Jesus' Name. Filled with Your Spirit. Freed from that spirit of fear. Some of you, right, you're gonna have now to confront the fear. You know when I get emails all the time, when people tell me I'm afraid of germs, I, I tell them, go in the dirt and roll in the dirt. <laughs> if people tell me I'm afraid of, of flying, I say, go and book your flight. Somebody said, I'm afraid of going in an elevator. I say, go into an elevator and go to the top floor. You've got to confront your fear head on. That is the only way you can break its power over you. Declare after me, I am free. Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So I am of good courage. No matter what the enemy throws at me, I will confront it. I will fight it. I will overcome it. Because greater is He that is in me that He that is in the world. Hallelujah. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.